Hello everybody and welcome to First and Gold, the hardest hitting up and coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. I'm your host Ben and today we're going to be discussing the 2021 Florida Gators. We'll be continuing our year reviews. The Gators had a bumpy year full of ups and downs. Before we get into it, go ahead and buckle up that chin strap, fill in that mouthpiece. It's going to be a hard hit. Let's get it. Shoot him, Rob. Shoot him. <laughs> How the hell are you, everybody? Like I said, I'm your host, Ben. It is Tuesday, February 22nd. We got pushed back a delay. Had to do some work on 18 wheel. You know how it goes, man. Stuff happens. But uh, I'm joined here, as always, with my co-host, the one, the only, Big Rob. How the hell's it going, brother? Uh, doing pretty good, brother. Doing pretty good. Another beautiful day in the world, my friend. How are you today? Oh, man. Be honest with you. I'm pretty damn tired. <laughs> Broke a window in the truck the other day. I've spent all weekend trying to track down a window. Had a good friend of mine, Bruce. A good friend of mine named Bruce. I ain't going to throw his last name out there. I don't want nobody hitting him up for parts or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but a good friend looked out through the connection out there, and I really dearly appreciated it. It helped me get a window back in the truck. And, of course, as soon as I got in there, found about five other things I need to fix. You know how that shit goes. Hey, hey, if you fix one thing, you may as well go and fix everything else that's been nagging. Yeah, you know how it is, man. But uh, speaking of repairs, Bo, <laughs> how about these 2021 Florida Gators, Bo? What you think about them? Bo, I'm telling you, man, they, on paper, this team could have very well competed with Georgia for that SEC East championship. I'm telling you, man, this team here, this is a terrifying team. It really is. <laughs> it really is. I know we uh, predicted they was going to have a fall off 2021. It really wasn't from a talent standpoint. It was more of a just a little bit of an attitude and culture standpoint. But, uh, man, the more I look into this team, the more I'm like, what the hell was I thinking back then? I'm glad they fell off like they did because they could have very well made me look like a dumbass, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this team right here, like I said, on paper, did everything right. Most – of the time, the games they played, they had more total yards than the team they were playing, but still found a way to lose the game. And I'm not really sure exactly how that happened other than field goals. Field goals were a big issue for them. Yeah, definitely field goals a little bit issue for them. But also, man... The turnover margin, that can really kill you. And, I mean, you're coming in this year with two new quarterbacks. I mean, don't get me wrong, Emory Jones has had some playing time. He's loaded with talent and potential. I mean, ridiculous. And what's crazy is this team has two elite quarterbacks on the roster because they also got Anthony Richardson in there. And I'm going to tell you what, man, another just genetically – Freak athlete quarterback. I mean, just talent through the roof. This team, talent is not an issue. but Yeah, uh, yeah they're eight up with talent, brother. They're eight up with the talent. Uh, like you said, at that quarterback position, man. And I tell you what, who does he remind you of, Emory Jones? I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll be honest with you. He kind of reminds me of a 
I want to say a Michael Vick, but he's not quite as good on the feet as Vick, but he's got a better arm than Vick did, I believe. But, uh, hmm, just give me a minute. He reminds me a lot of Warren Moon, who used to play with the Houston Oilers back in the day. I didn't think about that. Yeah, Warren Moon. That's a very good comparison. Or of, um, kind of like a Donovan McNabb, just a little better on the feet. And a little better throwing arm, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a hell of an arm, which Hulk and Nath had a pretty good arm back in the day. Just couldn't get away from that Campbell's chunky suit. <laughs> yeah, that's another good one. But what we're getting at, I don't know. Anthony Richardson reminds me a lot of Dante Culpepper. Bigger frame. Yeah. Richardson had a, I mean, both of them loaded with talent. but And a hell of an arm, man. Both of them have a hell of an arm. Yeah, they really did. I mean, this. This is a scary team, and it's just loaded. And when you look at the coaching staff, the coaching staff was not lacking any talent there in the coaching tree. I mean, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It, it for me, it seemed like coming into the season, man, they were they were kind of bought in. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, there was some things that happened early that you know were questionable, but it seems like after that. LSU game, things went south for Florida. Yeah, it really did. Um, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. They lost some steam when they lost that close game to Bama. I mean, they played their butts off that game. It was talking about a ball game. That was a hell of a game. It really was. It really was. You know, Florida, uh, you know, losing to Bama, they came back and they won a game after that to Tennessee, which in its own right was a hell of a game. But then you go to UK. You go to UK and you lose that in a close game. You come back and you blow out Bandy out of the water. And then you lose three games in a row to very questionable teams. Well, except for Georgia. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It's just... It's like once they lost that game to LSU, it's just – it's like all the wind came out in sales. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, it was weird how it all worked out. But uh, let's talk about his coach staff a little bit, man. Yeah, let's I mean, talk about it. You look at Dan Mullen. He was the head coach from 2017 through 2021. I mean, after that Sanford game, that kind of was it. <laughs> that Sanford game actually threw the, the, the sand on the coffin, if you ask me. Yeah, but um, Carolina threw the nail in the coffin. Sanford was the one to put the the dirt over the coffin. Yeah, but at the same time, this is why I say Florida, they were not rebuilding from a coaching standpoint, none of that. I think this whole overhaul they're doing is more so all about just culture, honestly. Because, I I mean, you look at Dan Mullen, he's an offensive-minded head coach, and then you look at the stats the team had this year, okay? They averaged 456.8 offensive yards a game. That's 10th in the nation. Yeah. I'll take some of that. Absolutely. So, problem's not there. Average 208.8 rushing yards a game. Not great, but still 22nd in the nation out of 132 teams. Mm -hmm. 135, 132, I think 132. But 22nd in the nation. Again, that's pretty damn good. Absolutely. Passing yards a game, 247.9, 32nd in the nation. 
Not quite as good as the rushing yards, but still. 32nd in the country. I take out it. Out of 113s. There ain't nothing wrong with that, especially with a first-year starting quarterback full-time. A lot of new guys on this offense. Mm-hmm. In a rebuilding year, so to speak. And then you look at the points per game. 30.7. Now you're getting around to 49th in the nation. Now you're sitting right there in the middle of the pack. Yep. All these stats were in the front tier, and all of a sudden, boom, middle of the pack points per game. That's a sign of not finishing drives off and all that. That's also a sign of inexperience. Yeah. But still, if you look at from a coaching standpoint, Dan Mullen being an offensive-minded coach, he did his job. Yeah. This offense was very good. Yeah. Then you look at special teams, Greg Knox. Y'all might also know him as the interim coach who came in and replaced Dan Mullen. Another guy off the Mullen coaching tree that followed him to Florida. Special teams was, I don't know, a little shaky. Yeah, they, uh, it's, it's really hard to, to really, I mean, one, some plays they may do good, and other plays, man, they just, they give, they give up the ghost. That's right, man. I mean, special teams can win or lose you a game for sure. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, they were still good enough to where he's been able to keep a job. Hell, he's done a good enough job to where he became the interim head coach, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. Still not bad. Overall, of a career, though, he's had a hell of a career as a special teams coordinator. Your tight ends coach, Tim Brewster. One of the best, if not the best, tight end coach in the whole nation. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the pedigree of players he has put off into the NFL, it's absurd. Absolutely, it's, man. That, yeah, that's tight end university if that man's coaching there. Absolutely. So, I mean, all-star coaches. Then you had John Lavisey, Billy Gonzalez, co-offensive coordinators. Again, two, not one, but two great offensive minds. And then also, they were both co-offensive coordinators with Dan Mullen, which to me, I think that's a little too many roosters in the hen house. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's aggravating enough when you got two co-coordinators. But then when you got three, I mean, tripod nation, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, makes you wonder if one was calling the running plays, one was calling the passing plays, and the other was calling the, the, the you know, the fake plays. RPOs, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, first down, second down, third down. <laughs> but, I mean, still, all, all those guys have a great background. So, once again, coach staff looks good. Then you switch over to defense. You got David Turner, defensive line coach, who has consistently turned out some of the best defensive lines in the country when it comes to pass rush and just all around – Intensity with defensive lines. I mean, Turner has turned out some hellacious defensive lines. I mean, you look just in 2020. They had 35 sacks, 73 tackles for a loss. South seventh in the nation and second in the nation, respectively. That's that's top notch. Yeah, that's that's some hellacious stats right there. Then that same defense turned around this year and got 37 sacks. I believe it was 37. Yeah, I'm almost certain it was. So, I mean, there you go. Defensive line's rocking and rolling. All right. 
you look at your linebacker coach. This is where I personally am not exactly sold on this team. You got Christian Robinson coming in there. Young coach, he's up and coming, but uh, I don't know. To me, the linebacker unit was a big question mark after the 2020 season, and I feel like they were very much so exposed in that New Year's Day game against the Oklahoma Sooners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The thing about the linebacking core, man, and a lot of people talk about a bad rushing defense as being your line or your uh, lineman, your defensive lineman, just giving up the ghost and not really doing their jobs. Their jobs is to keep the linemen off of the linebackers and let the linebackers do the job. Mm-hmm. If linebackers ain't doing the job, it makes the whole defense look shady. Oh, I agree. And also, just going back to my four two five principles, Art. Mm-hmm. Your linemen are going to spill. You also say your linebackers are spill, but for the most part, your linemen's main jobs are to fill the gaps, get pressure on the quarterback, spill, right. try to make the run and play bounce outside or whatever. Then it's up to your linebackers and your strong safeties, your spurs, whatever you want to call them, to clean up the mess. Right. Especially outside backers. You got to clean up. Once the line does their job, you got to clean up the mess. You got to stop it in its tracks. That's your job as a linebacker. Right. That's why linebackers are normally your leading tacklers on the team because really the defensive line is setting them up to make the tackle. Absolutely. These This linebacking core just, I don't know, they struggled against Oklahoma, and I think that was a big – a big problem this year, and I feel like the beginning of the year, everybody kind of overlooked it. Right. And then LSU exposed it. Yeah, re-exposed it. Yeah. And everybody took it from there. Because, I mean, if you look at the LSU game, you look at the South Carolina game. Oh, yeah. You look at the Health of Sanford game, Georgia. What was the – The Kentucky game. Yeah. What was the number one run that South Carolina did on this defense that got them all the yards rushing? Hell, it was a damn shotgun. Counters. Yeah. Counterplays. Exactly. But see, what I'm getting at, though, you look at the Carolina game, Kentucky game, all those teams I just named. If you actually look at the play calling, it's all the same play calling. It's like you're watching the same game over and over and over again. Absolutely. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And it's always to the outside. It's not up the middle. Mm -hmm. It's always to the outside. Outside zone run plays, counters. Right. And then you hit them over the top with a pass, there's always a blown coverage assignment. Yep, because they're scooting up to try to stop the run to cover for the linebackers. <laughs> That's right. And, I mean, it was literally all through those games. If you look at the film, if I was colorblind and I didn't see no colors on the jerseys, I, I would feel like I'm watching the same game over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, if everything was just blank, it would, it would definitely seem like the same defense every day in and out, or same offense. That's right, and just – I don't know. That linebacking group just – the defensive backs, they weren't bad. They gave up some big blown plays, but at the same time, if you're trying to stack the box and you got some big-time playmakers at receiver, mm-hmm. it's hard. Oh, if you're giving up 15, 20 yards per rush, your, line, your, your backs are going to be scooting up to try to help stop. And what happens – well, it's hard to get your secondary to line up to stop the run and defend over the top. Exactly. Very hard. 
if you put some play actions in there, of course, their first instinct is going to be to step up. you got a big-time wide receiver. He's going to put some space in between, and he's going to the races. That's exactly right, my man. And just going back to SEC Media Day, remember in the preseason? Yep. The guys Dan Mullen brought with him was literally linebackers. Yep. And back then, that that disturbed me because he said, I want to bring these guys just to prove a point that these, that my linebacking core is the strength of my team, not the weakness. And both players said, yeah, we're the strength of this team. We're not the weakness. We're here to prove a point. We're going to show everybody in 2021. 20, and it stood out to me instantly because it's like, it just came off kind of like a used car salesman. Absolutely. I'm trying to, trying to sell me some BS. But there was also no conviction. No, no, no conviction whatsoever. Just They're still talking about, yeah, we're the SEC East champions. We deserve that title. It's 2021, dude. Season starts in a couple weeks. What are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely, man. It, that, that season's over. Congratulations to you. It was real cringeworthy. Time to move on, but I don't know. When you come to media days and you bring not one, but two linebackers and you're media days, you're steady addressing your linebacking group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to prove that this is the strength of our team. Like, that would be like Shane Beamer bringing Jason Brown and Zeb Nolan <laughs> to media days saying, yeah, man, I got Tom Brady and I got Brett Favre back here in the backfield ready to go. Our quarterbacks are jam up. We're not worried. This is the strength of our team. No, no offense to those guys, <laughs> but, but come on now. Yeah, yeah. The film don't lie. Yeah, they were they were decent quarterbacks in their own rights, but they ain't no Brett Favre, they ain't no Tom Brady, and, and just like the two linebackers, man, they they wouldn't all they were cracked up to be. No, and I mean, I'm not gonna knock them. They made some nice plays, but they gave up a lot. For example, rushing yards, 163.9 per game, ranked 85th in the nation. That's exactly right. 163.9 rushing yards per game, 85th in the nation. A lot of those runs, outside zone, counters. Once the teams figured out they could run the ball on the outside, it was over. Yeah. And see, Alabama, that's where Alabama struggled against Florida. Bama kept trying to either run it down the throat, or pass heavy. And Bama did not have no success with that rushing game in that game, really. Yeah, that was the third game of the season. They struggled with it. Mm-hmm. LSU kept trying to get it outside. Yep. So it was a little bit closer game. LSU caught on, caught on to it a little bit better towards the end of the game. But then once they exposed it, it's like everybody, it's like the whole world was watching that game and said, oh, that's how we beat these guys. Yep. I mean, 163, 85th in the nation. You look at the passing yards. 188.8 passing yards per game. 30th in the nation. That's a big difference. 85th in the nation and 30th. Yep. I mean, if you look at the overall stats, they gave up 352.7 average yards per game all season long. That ranks 48th in the nation. That's middle of the road. Yep. You're, you're right there in the middle of the pack. But, I mean, hell. If I'm 85th at rushing... 30th and passing, there you go. Yep, you're going to give up some points. And they gave up 26.8 points per game, ranking 74th in the nation. Yep. 
Now, one thing I did like about this defense is they did have 12 forced fumbles this year. So that, that that's pretty nice. That's a good little takeaway. But at the same time, out of 12 of them, you only recovered four. You can, say, you can look at it one way and say, okay, they recovered a third of them. But then you look at it again, you say, damn, that's two-thirds they didn't recover. Yeah. So you got to keep that head on a swivel, yeah, man. you got to be aware at all times. But I don't know. This team is just loaded, loaded with talent. I mean, absolutely. the linebacking core, I'm not knocking their talent in any way, shape, or form. These guys got talent. I'm just thinking – Maybe get a little bit older coach in there, get a little coach with a little bit more experience, or if you get a young coach, maybe someone that can connect with them a little bit better. Something, yeah. something just didn't click. And I mean, it's not the coach's fault, it's not the player's fault. I'm not gonna knock either one. Sometimes there's this thing called chemistry. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you don't have chemistry with your coaches, I mean, it's just not, it's not gonna work. It really ain't. And, and the thing about it is, though, too. If you don't, if you're not realizing or if you haven't learned the defensive plays quite well, you know, that, that's a big issue too. And Sometimes they just seem like they were lost back there. Yes. I don't know. They didn't seem lost, but they just – you ever seen the movie The Replacements? <laughs> yeah. You ever heard – well, fans court was talking about quicksand. Yes, sir. I kind of feel like that's what happened with this Florida team. And you know what? That's okay when you got a lot of inexperienced players. I mean, this team, if you look at it, it really was a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperienced guys coming in there. And if your older guys are not real leaders, then it's kind of the same. You lead an army into battle without a leader. Yeah, you got your coaches, but every team needs that leader of a player. And when you're a team like Florida, as big of a stage as what they are on, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and everything is magnified. Everything that you do is magnified. Oh, no doubt, because every game, I mean, is going to be nationally televised. A lot of pressure. You got Steve Spurrier sitting up there in the booth, looking down on you every game. I mean, yeah, and you don't want to get that man scowling at you. No, sir, and he is not afraid to speak his mind. So if you mess up, you already know. Oh, boy. One of our own people is about to trash us. <laughs> and I ain't so sure he was the one that uh, also put the final nail in the coffin for Dan Mullen. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that whole situation. It wouldn't surprise me because Spurrier's always been a big culture guy, mm-hmm. big culture builder everywhere he goes. But. Just little things, man. Little things shot them in the foot. and Then you look at the turnover margin. Like I said a little while ago, okay, on offense, Emory Jones, if you look at his stats from first, you say, he had a hell of a year, and he did. He really did. 2,733 passing yards. Ain't bad. Then you add on another 758 rushing yards, which that's good, but at the same time makes me a little nervous because he was the team's leading rusher and the quarterback. That doesn't always work out so good. And it cost him a little bit of playing time this year with some injuries. But let's be honest real quick, though. With Emory Jones and those kind of stats, it's not like a Georgia Tech running back 
that is run first, man. He's he's getting the ball down the field. He can he can put it on target, but he can also run it up the field when he has to. Me and Georgia Tech quarterback. Yeah, that's what I meant. No, he he's got talent in both ways. He's Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Very similar. Very similar play style. Right. I mean, he can throw it. He can pass it. Hell, on um, Tyrod Taylor. He's played for G Tech. Very similar play style. Yeah. Tyrod was a little bit bigger frame, but very similar play style. Right. The hell, he completed 223 or 345. That's good enough for 64.6 completion percentage. That's pretty damn good. Absolutely. 19 touchdowns. Pretty damn good. But then you look at this other stat, 13 interceptions. And that's a little bit of a bugaboo. It really is. It really is. But the thing you have to keep in mind, too, this is his first year starting in college football. Oh, no doubt. I mean, anytime you get an inexperienced player in there, you can expect him to make rookie mistakes. And, yes, he had some playing time before this. But still, there's a big difference in coming off the bench, filling in for a man, and them saying, okay, Here's the keys to my brand new car. Don't scratch it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you're coming in to, you know, to finish off a tune-up game, or you're coming in because, you know, the starting quarterback got tweaked for a couple of plays, man. You don't really have enough time. Everything's moving quick in those, but nor- most of the time, your coaches are either giving you the ball to hand off, they're not going to try to run up the score if it's, you know, if you're coming in at the end of a tune-up game, or they're just, you know, they're coaching not to turn over. But when you get the new keys to the new car, you got to put up points somehow. And every now and again, Bo, I mean, you're going to be a gambler and try to put it in tight spaces that don't quite work out. For sure, man, for sure. And like I said, he's a young guy. This is very elite. Yeah. For a first-year player. It, he scares me. Oh, he scares the hell out of me. If you're in the SEC East, I guarantee you everybody's eyes is on Emory Jones. Everybody keeps talking about Spencer Rattler and some of these transfer guys coming in. Emory Jones is a player everybody needs to be watching. Absolutely. He deserves a lot of respect and attention. Absolutely. One year under his belt, next season coming in with all that experience, he's going to be dangerous. That's right. One thing that hurt him a little bit, too, with the turnovers, I mean, you look at Anthony Richardson, another talent. 529 passing yards, 38 of 64, 59 completion percentage. Again, not bad. Six touchdowns, and I mean, Anthony Richardson might have just as much, if not even more, on talent than Emory Jones. But, again, six touchdowns, five interceptions. 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. There's a rhythm there. Right. And then you also look at their rushing stats for this year. The quarterback was leading rusher. Tailback had a little over 500 yards on the season. Leading tailback. Yeah. So when you look at all these picks, your quarterback's leading rusher, tailback struggled running the ball this year. What's a common denominator in all that? Line play. Yeah. Florida's offensive line this year was not what it's been in the past. No, not at all. And, I mean – you look at it, they replaced a lot of guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you had a lot of guys go off to the NFL on that line. I mean, you can only do so much. Lost an All-American tied in. Yeah. Kyle Pitts. I mean, a lot of depth. A lot of depth, a lot of inexperience. So, 
Dan Mullen, I pick on Dan a lot. Dirty Dan. Yeah, old Dirty Dan, Creepy Dan, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> but uh, he really was in a tough position. And I hate to say it, but I almost feel like his early success at Florida led up to his demise for one off season. I mean, you look at it. It's crazy to think, but you look at the year of Florida's. Yeah. Ten wins, ten wins, nine wins. I mean, great seasons leading up to this. But normally... And then boom. But normally, you would have the people upstairs take into consideration we've lost so many stars that we do have to rebuild but apparently not in Florida. Apparently they're a little bit tougher than LSU was. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I hate to say it. When's the last time Florida had a head coach that they kept for more than say five, six years? The last one they kept for more than five or six years would have to be Spurrier. Yeah. I mean, Urban Meyer resigned due to health issues. But let's all be real here. Yeah. Urban Meyer was having a down season, and that seat was pretty damn hot. I feel like I feel like Urban, he just goes to schools that already have the talent there, stays three or four years, blames health, and then leaves. Yeah, just kind of runs, runs through the depth, and then he's out of there. I don't feel like he can really build his own team. I kind of wonder about that my damn self. I mean, let's be real, man. I mean, he went to Ohio State, won a national championship his second year. First or second year. Two or three years later, he's gone. His first year, they were not eligible. Big, Yeah, that's that's because of the second year, they won the Natty. Yep. And then the next year, two years after that, they went to the playoffs and lost. And he was out of there. Yep, they went to the playoffs two or three years in a row, lost to Clemson. And that next year, he was gone for health issues. Oh, yeah. Florida had early success, kept going, kept going. Then all of a sudden, Florida started going downhill a little bit, started getting beat up. Hell, they got beat by South Carolina for the SEC East. And I want to say that was his last damn year in Florida. Yep. That year, the next year was his absolute last. He was gone. Yep. Florida don't play, man. You ain't winning, you gone. But Florida's a tough place to be. So, Billy, if you're Billy Napier, man, if you have a seven-win season to start off with, it might not be all that bad because you can kind of work your way up a little bit. But if you go out there and win ten games a year or two in a row and then you have an off-season, yep. be in the hot seat also. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's... But I think they did have a little bit of recruiting issue. Maybe maybe that's what got Dan Mullen taken out. I think they were, the recruiting class was down in the dumps, which is pretty good from what I understand. Yeah, I believe that Dan Mullen got lazy with recruiting because he was asked about it. I believe it, wouldn't, it was just after the South Carolina game. He said something about we'll worry about recruiting when the season ends, and you can't do that in the SEC. Mm, I think his problem was he was a little too ambitious wanting to get to the NFL, and he was thinking more of, I want to get to the NFL now. I'm not worried about Florida right now. Yeah. I think he put all of his eggs into one basket. He counted all of his chickens for the hatch. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that rubs off on a team. 
I mean, that that could very well be your your attitude midway through the season. The attitude change. Well, you got to think from a player standpoint. I mean, it's kind of hard to prepare when you're sitting there for months on end saying. Is he coming back? Is he not? Is he coming back? Is he not? Right. Do I need to be studying what we did last year? Do I need to try to erase that from my memory and prepare for a new coach? What do I do? A lot of things to think about there, man. And that's another scary thing, man. The Florida may not be as good as what they were year before last since there's a new coaching staff coming in. But then again, it very well could be that the change of blood, the change of scenery – very well could be the thing that puts them over the top. Culture. Just a breath of fresh air, man. If you can bring back that Florida culture and get the swamp back on your side. Right. Man, that is not a school to be played with. I'm no. telling you, that's not a team you want to undermine. The Florida Gators is a team that legit could show up any given Saturday against any given team. And beat the brakes off of you. And the Florida, you know, the, the Florida teams of old could very well beat, you know, could, you know, very well beat some of the Bama teams of old. Or, you know, how everybody wants to talk about little Nicky and, you know, the Bama players being able to go into the NFL and beat some NFL talent, you know, the lower tier NFL talent. It could be very well said the same for Florida in some situations. Hell, when Muschamp was there. Yeah. On a any given Saturday, I think South Carolina was ranked number five, number six in the nation coming into that game. One lost team, Steve Spurrier, end of the year. Everybody was thinking BCS Bowls for South Carolina time. It was right before the playoffs happened. Yeah. But everybody had real high hopes South Carolina here. And Florida, I mean. Must champ beat the brakes off of us. Destroyed them. It wasn't even a ball game. At the end of the first quarter, I said, the hell with this, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Let me go ahead and get some beer and light the grill. We're checking out of this thing. Absolutely, man. It's just that that school and what people underestimate is the talent that comes out of that state. Oh yeah. The only thing the only problem they're gonna have and they should have taken advantage of while they were there. And that might be a little bit of what cost Dan a little bit. Is Miami was down the entire time. They had one decent year of Manny Diaz, but for the most part, Miami was down the whole time Mullen was there. Florida State was a train wreck, a dumpster fire the whole time Dan Mullen was there. Yeah, and still kind of is. So you would think during that period he ought to dominate the home state and he wasn't. He was still losing a lot of recruits to other states and also he never was able to get them to the promised land. Never could win the SEC championship. Nope. Never could make it to the playoffs. Never could beat Little Nicky. Yeah, but I mean, come on now. I mean, until this year, <laughs> ain't nobody in the SEC beat Little Nicky since 2010. That's true. That's over a damn decade ago. Right. right? But here's the thing, too, with recruiting in Florida, man. I mean, you've got to, like you said, you've got to compete with Miami. You've got to compete with Florida State. You've got to compete with UCF. But you also have to compete with some of the other big dogs, the Alabamas, the Georgias. Look at it, though. Hell, they competed with Alabama. 
Every time they played Bama, it was a close-ass game. I'm talking about competing in, you know, in signing players. Well, I mean, when you're starting quarterbacks getting a million dollars before he ever takes a snap, <laughs> I mean, damn. Right. You're right. It is an IL thing, man. That's that's rough. Absolutely, man. And that's that's one thing that is going to hurt Florida a little bit. I mean, Gainesville, you're close to Jacksonville, so there's a, there's a lot of money in Jacksonville. So, I don't know. It could help them. Thinking I mean, of that. I mean, but then again, you've got Miami down the road. Well, I was just getting ready to say, you got Mario Cristobal coming to town. Who is a known recruiting machine mm-hmm. in South Beach? Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, the beach is enough to recruit for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Just send them Christmas cards and pictures of the beach, and you're good to go. <laughs> but they got a lot of work cut out for them. But I'm telling you right now, looking at the 2021 team, this team was six and seven. Is what they finished the year at six and six regular season. Then they lost the bowl game, which was atrocious on its own. Yeah, Greg Knox did not do them no justice. Let's look at the final score in that Sarsaparilla game. You're looking at UCF. That's who they played. They lost 29-17. to The total yards for Florida was 376 yards to UCF's 436. Passing yards, Florida, 171 passing yards. UCF, 148. Here's where it gets a little tricky. Rushing yards, Florida only had 205 to UCF's 288. Now, there was no turnovers that game, surprisingly for Florida. But that game, Florida couldn't figure out how to put the ball in the end zone. It was nothing hardly but field goals. No, it was a field goal game for Florida. But also, you got to think of it from this standpoint, too. The starting quarterback in that game was Emory Jones. Mm-hmm. During that game, before that game ever happened, he already announced he was going to the transfer report, which he did change his mind and said he's coming back for 2022, which Florida fans, I'm telling you, y'all got something special there. Right. But that that young man can play. But think of it from a mindset of a player. If he's already announced he's not even playing for this team, he's thinking about going somewhere else. He's not bought into that game. Nobody's bought into that game. Hell, if your special teams coach is not your head coach, Temporarily. For that game. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what direction's up, what direction's down. You don't know what the hell to think. Right. You just baseline. But to go out there and lose to baby brother <laughs> like that. Right there in Oregon. Not even little brother, but baby brother. Not Florida State, not Miami, but baby brother. Ba- baby stepbrother. Yeah. Central Florida, right down the road in Orlando. They ain't about an hour and a half apart. The red-headed step, baby brother. And it's coached by a previous SEC coach who was fired. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine being on that Florida team and you go out there and Central Florida punches you in the mouth. You just keep playing. They just keep coming. They just keep putting points on the board. You're st- then, then the thought starts entering in your head. We can lose this damn game. Then all of a sudden, all the Sanford memories come back, the Carolina memories. <laughs> Yeah. But just for record, you notice what UCF did in that game, what they had success with. Yep, that counter. Outside zone. Yep. So, uh, I don't know. 2021, there was a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but let me tell you something, Florida Nation. You have a lot to look forward to 
I believe Napier was a pretty good hire. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about the guy. I mean, Coach Lafayette, this is definitely going to be a big jump for him. But Absolutely. You're going to have a little bit of growing pains this first season, I think. I can tell you right now, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on this team, though. Absolutely. Through, through the spring, through the summer. And I'm interested to see what the culture looks like in the spring game and then see what it looks like come media days. Absolutely, man. It's it's going to be entertaining, to say the least, to watch this Florida team, especially in the spring. Media days, it, it's going to be a wild ride for this Florida team. Yeah, no doubt. But I can tell you something right now. I'd be willing to bet money on This Florida team is not going to finish – Second and last in the SEC East again next year. Oh, hell no. Hell no. So, Florida Nation, buckle the seatbelts up. It's going to be a good one this year. Y'all going to have something to look for and watch. You better, Absolutely. You got a lot to look forward to. Absolutely. Uh, it's every game they're going to play this year, it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, man. But uh, with all that being said, you got anything you want to add? I do have one thing that I'd like to add. It doesn't have anything to do with Florida. Um, there was a Georgia signee. His name is EJ Lightsey, a linebacker, was coming in this season. On Monday evening, he was in the park working out, and he was involved in a game crossfire. He oh, was no. shot multiple times. So our thoughts, prayers, Go out to the family. They go out to Mr. Lightsey. But um, they say he's going to make a full recovery. But still, that's you know that's a shitty thing to happen, man. Yes, yeah, that's, that's awful, man. Like you said, thoughts and prayers definitely go out to him. Definitely going to be thinking about him. Hate to hear about something like that happening to anybody. Especially a young man with such a bright future ahead. But still, anybody, man, I mean... This gang shit, man, it's got to stop. Absolutely, man. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. You got a young man with a bright future ahead of him, and he can very well. Just out working out, trying to get ready to get to Georgia. Yeah, and you could lose it all just in the blink of an eye. Oh, yeah. That's awful. I forgot to mention um, one other thing, and it could be ground-shaking news for the SEC this year. What you got? And if you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan, you hate to hear this. Uh-oh. Their offensive coordinator on – what the hell is his damn name? Um, I can't remember his name. Give me one second. <laughs> Give me one damn second, y'all. I'm sorry. No, you good, brother. You good. We look at that information for you, man. But I'm interested to hear what you got. Liam Cohen. Okay. Liam Cohen, offense coordinator, his new offense coordinator last year. Remember, he came from the Rams? Right. We were all so excited. That offense was one of the best in the nation this past year, if you remember. Yep. Well, unfortunately, he's out. Where'd he go? If my information is correct, he is going back to the NFL, to the Los Angeles Rams, to take over their vacant offensive coordinator position. No kidding. Yes, sir. And that is a huge loss. Blow to the Kentucky Wildcats. Absolutely, man. So, I don't know. I tell you, man, it's it's going to be interesting. Yes, sir. 
that's definitely going to shake things up. But we will touch on all that when we get to the Kentucky team. But figured I'd throw that ground-shaking news out there for everybody to hear real quick. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. I hadn't heard anything about that. Yes, sir. But, um, hell, if we ain't got anything else, I'll say we wrap this thing up. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Like I said, I'm sorry we didn't get this thing out on Monday, but shit happens. Yeah, absolutely, but man. I can guarantee you we will be back in the damn studio this Thursday doing the damn thing. We're going to be continuing our 2021 Teams in Review sessions, and we're going to be discussing Syracuse. Syracuse. Goodness, man. They had, they had some pretty good uh, games this season. Yes, sir, they did. Some crazy, crazy, crazy wins and crazy, crazy losses, man. I'm, I'm excited to touch on them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's going to be very interesting when we get to talking to them. But uh, like I said, that'll be our next episode Thursday night. But Until then, go on Twitter, check us out. Hit us up, send us a message. Go on our Facebook page, First and Goal. Absolutely. Sharing things around. We always love hearing feedback. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Love to talk some football, man. If you got any questions, ask us. We'll, uh, we'll answer them for you. No matter what. Yes, sir. But uh, that being said, keep those drinks cold and keep them chains moving. I'm out. Let's piss on the fire. Call the dogs. Chomp, chomp. <laughs>